0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Ben Sandick here for another Locked on Wizards podcast. A little different situation going on tonight. Uh, of course, the Wizards just fell to the Milwaukee Bucks at home. Uh, typically, obviously, we do a podcast after the show because it was a late one. Uh, ended up doing a pregame podcast, as it were, with Todd Dibas, where we talked about kind of the current state of the Wizards. And also, we mostly got into potential trade ideas that, that we've had uh what players the Wizards could potentially target and also sort of the reality of what the Wizards can or can't do. So that'll be the bulk of the podcast. But uh I'm gonna play for you guys up the top here some audio from John Wall post game talking about the loss the Wizards had a three point lead with three minutes to go but too much Giannis onto Takumpo late. Uh Wizards had another rough fourth quarter shooting after they had a similar one against Memphis. Uh so he talked about that, talked about Giannis, and also, uh, Matthew Delavidova got thrown out of the game for, uh, clotheslining Bradley Beal on a play. Wall talked about that, had some really harsh comments on Vadova. So I'll play that for you in just a second, then after Wall, this goes straight into the podcast, uh, as if I had done it originally with Todd Dibas. So that'll be that, uh, Wizards fall to the Bucks, but, uh, they're off until Wednesday when they face the Utah Jazz. Alright, so here we go. Uh, we'll, we'll get to, uh, some John Wall, and then the usual podcast that you're used to. Here we go. Um,
2: I think we competed, I think, down the stretch. I mean, they made some, you give them credit. Uh, Giannis made two shots, but made the three. But then I think they got a couple of calls that got them into the bonus and got them into a rhythm. But other than that, they made bigger shots than what we did. But I think the, the couple of calls, they got changed the momentum of the game like the last three minutes.
3: John, when you see what Delva Delva did, how much is you instantly recognizing who did that and thinking about what's going on in the past with him? Or how much is
2: well, it? Just, whatever their the team can say and other people getting vouch for him, to me, I always thought he's just a dirty player. I give him credit, he plays hard. I take nothing away from him, whatever, but I just feel like he's a dirty player. Like a guy going full speed, don't grab him by his shoulders. I mean, he can grab him by his waist or whatever else. I okay. uh, okay. do they had to do it, and they got him out of there and to continue to play basketball and they, you know, put better in John, it looked like a few minutes before that, oh. you and Delva, Delva had some words for each other. Well, I think Giannis was at the free throw line and Jody kind of walked in between you guys. Um, was there any kind of build up before? What, I
1: don't want no build up, the, it was
2: just a call they had just made, and he was like, Y'all getting all y'all getting calls. I was like, Y'all, you're not doing up hand checking all the time, like they're, they're not calling that for us, you know what I mean? I'm like, they're getting their calls, whatever, blah blah blah, but stop talking. To me. You're not my guy You're not my buddy on the court so you don't have no reason to conversate John how frustrating is it to have some of these calls or lack of calls and what do you guys have to do to stay focused well I mean other than that I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason why we lost we had opportunities to win the game don't let what the refs called the reason why we lost they made bigger shots I mean when it was a top ball game we're down one they made bigger shots but yeah uh, we used to it by name I mean, I paid no mind to it I mean I had four free throws in the first half and then I finally got two more at the end of the game like I'm not a person that shoot all jump shots. I'm a person that attacks the basket, but every time I always ask them, what what's the difference from this call and that call, they always give me an excuse. I'm not here for excuses. I didn't sign up to compete and get my all for excuses so they can say that for themselves. Now, what do you think of the aggressive and yeah. Aggressive? I mean, I play aggressive. I think, I mean, guys play aggressive. I mean, it's a different though, you know, that's not the type of play that you do and then just stand there like nothing happened. If we do that to somebody, their team is going to react the same exact way. He's known for undercutting guy, trying to box him out and stuff like that. I give no I give no I give no credit for that. I give credit for him for being a hard player that's hard nose and one of the old school type of players that play very physical. I give him credit for that, but when it comes to being doing dirty plays I have no respect for it. So it's endangering
3: someone.
2: Yeah, like come on man, he could've got a concussion. He's going full speed, you snatch him back, you get his head on the floor and then he got a concussion. That was something different. The um,
0: the two fourth quarter finishes last night. You guys just could make some shots, and today also again we could make it correlation or just something that. yeah, um, we, like
2: we had a couple good looks. You just missed them, but hey, I mean the other teams put the pressure on us defensively. We making the right plays and right reads. You got to be able to knock down shots. You know, sometimes shots not going to fall. they're not you got to be able to get defensive stops, and that's what we brought. ourselves on tonight they made the bigger plays.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All
0: right, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Standing here, along with the guy I'm usually with at we're at the Verizon Center, Capital One Arena. I guess you know, I, I'm just I'm just straight calling it Verizon Center. I'm not going to bother even switching the names. I think I've said this before. Same thing with CSN. I'm not bothering to change the names. Uh, so anyway, here at the arena where the Wizards are playing, uh, Todd Diapis from the Washington Times is with me. Uh, we are talking before the Wizards are playing the Milwaukee Bucks, and if you're wondering why we're doing that, it's largely because it's not my fault they're starting at 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday, and I don't necessarily uh, feel like we need to do a podcast at midnight. So we're going to talk before the game, where we'll talk a little bit about what happened with the Memphis game, we'll, we'll, we're going to go down try, uh, Todd's trade talk. Uh, ideas and, uh, a couple other topics of Wizards know to get into. We'll just hope there's nothing serious happens in this game. They're playing the Bucks. It'll be an interesting matchup. So we'll, we'll maybe talk about what we want to see in advance of that. Anyway, you can find all the podcasts on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter at BenStandic. Todd is at Todd underscore Dibis. Um, so, uh, by the time you hear, people hear this, the Memphis game will have been over 24 hours. Uh, my only question to you would be this. Uh, the 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 rule on this podcast has been we're not saying they're in a turnaround. They've officially turned around until we see it for a few games. So close. So close, right? I mean, they're up 17 points like a minute to go in the third quarter. They finish that game off, even if they win by eight, whatever it is. OK, you'd have to feel at that point like they've turned it around. I still don't think it was like a – I didn't view the last night as like, oh, boy, here they go again against a bad 500 team or a team that's way under 500 as a letdown because they did a really good job for most of it. That said, it gets all the way down to one, and the starters were in there for the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter. So it's hard to be like, well, it's all good. But – so so I'm I'm still – I'm sticking with the ban. We're not calling it a turnaround uh quite yet would you agree with that or do you think oh, come on at this point they've now what nine? were nine and three since wall's been back they've won four in a row you know get off my high horse where, where would you uh go on that one
3: uh well part of the three is the atlanta game yeah he, since he's been back and I, there was what's the other disaster i'm forgetting that that was part of the three since he's been back
0: well the the uh the, brooklyn
3: Right. Uh, the At second yes, the
0: second Brooklyn game. Yeah, yes. one
3: nineteen eighty four. Right. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> and then last night, fifteen points in the fourth quarter as they tried to give it away again, again against Memphis. Right.
2: Right.
0: Oh no, the two games against Memphis only because Memphis is just a shell of their normal team. The head did the, the Wizards win either of those games? Um, but like I said, look for for, for most of the game. Well, here is the other thing. I guess I would say. I mean, Wall and Beal did a lot last night for sure. Uh, and Marquise Morris, to me, that's the biggest thing. If if you want me, if you force me to say, do I see it? Is this a turnaround? I would point to Marquise Morris in the sense of three games in a row, he's gotten at least 10 rebounds. First time in his career, he's done that. So that's, I mean, you know, so guess he's to keep, he, he can't revert to averaging four rebounds a game as he was right before this surge, but if he's, He's looking better, clearly. So if that's real, which it looks like I guess it is, at least just in terms of how he feels, then I would feel, okay, we could probably say this is a turnaround because the bench has still largely been pretty good. Wall obviously looks healthy. That that hurdle over two rows of people was crazy. Uh, so from that perspective, I, I would. You know, you, if you make me say it, yes. But since I run this podcast, I will not say it. We're not 100% of the turnaround. Let's see how, if, they, if they finish strong here against Milwaukee and this starts a five-game homestand. You know, I can easily say, imagine during the stretch, say, they're good.
3: Yeah, I think that all makes sense. It, it's just, you don't you don't want to see the waffling in the fourth quarter on the front end of a back-to-back. You want to see them get that over with so everybody sits down. And then when you get in super late Saturday morning, you, you know, you... Whatever benefit you could derive from saving yourself five minutes on the floor, you have would have wanted to accomplish that. Instead, Wall and Beal play 36 and 38 minutes, respectively. They probably got to bed at – I was just talking to someone on the staff who said he lives near Dulles, and he got the bed at like 4.15. So those guys had to come all the way back in, at least almost all the way back in, in, in Beale's case. And so God knows when they got the bed and – Tonight you deal with Giannis, so every every minute counts when you are in that situation, and it's also just these kind of these signs of high end professionalism, right? This, you don't feel like the Spurs would do something like that; they would get it over with and move on. Well, and this goes back to not to bring that up this kind of top, team, you not know? to bring this back in, but like if this was
0: if if they had not had all the other crazy losses. Uh, On the road against any NBA team, these things happen, and you take the road win, and you move on. It's just because they've also lost to Atlanta, they were by eight thousand to Utah, the Brooklyn games, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why it's it's more than just well they look. They sort of looked looked lethargic, or they or they just didn't maybe not lethargic. They just didn't make plays.
3: They just wobbled to the end. Yeah, yeah they weren't making yeah. shots.
0: So that's only reason for the for the concern. I didn't think it was as dramatic as a, of a letdown as I've had some other games. That said, they were really really close to blowing it <laughs> against a, a a team that's uh, not good at all uh, at the moment. We're talking. I, we don't know yet if Otto Porter is going to play. He had a hip injury. I would going to guess a total guess that he won't just because it just happened like within 24 hours. So you know if it's bad enough to keep him out, you would you know. But but who knows? We'll see. Um, this is one of those games where the lack of a true backup, a, a third small forward, as it were, is, it comes into play because you know, if Ubre starts would be my assumption. Although it's interesting, he didn't play in the fourth quarter either last night. He played some, but basically Brooks was going to Satoransky at the right, three, right. which was interesting. But assuming Ubre starts, the question is, well, then who's the backup three? Again, I go back to the whole. <laughs> there's, there's literally nobody at the end of the bench, especially now that McCullough's not even here, <laughs> or at least he's not here as, as far as we know, that they, they didn't bring him back. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, so yeah, so, so the injury with, with Giannis, obviously. That that's why it's interesting because you want you know you, you need bodies going up against him. Ubra will be an interesting matchup with his length and all that. But at the same point, um, they just don't have as many guys. By the way, do you think when, like Ubre, I mean, obviously we talk about his length. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. He looks at himself. Do you think he looks at Giannis? He's like, oh my god, like I what
3: the what the. <laughs> I was hell? just gonna say U- Ubre has length, but Giannis's length is just clown show length. It's just like you you. You took, what was the stretchy toy thing? Uh, oh, what was, Stretch Armstrong. Sure, you remember sure. that thing?
0: Well, I always think of the it's, Inspector Gadget thing, but yeah, yeah Stretch go Armstrong. Go, yeah. But yeah,
3: Stretch Armstrong, you just grab it and pull it out. It's like that's when, when Giannis was made. Someone just grabbed him by the middle and then pulled, pulled each limb as far as it would go and then let him grow up.
0: It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask you uh, this since we don't really have much to say about this Milwaukee game other than, look, the Bucks are also on a back to back, so at least the Wizards get that benefit that the other team is dealing with it, uh, dealing with the And they lost, so take that, whatever that, they got smoked at home. I don't know if that... I thought you were going to say take
3: that for data for a second. There, oh, as probably. Not. Since, since how
0: the Wizards just played Memphis, it would have been appropriate <laughs> to have gone there. Um, but, uh, before, sort of to lead into your trade thought, I mentioned Saturansky. Um I wrote something yesterday for uh, FanRag Sports in which I talked to Sadoransky the other day about uh, him playing overseas with, with, with poor Zingis And I wrote a little bit about that, but I, what I tied it into was, and I'm curious what you think, for all the talk that, about what are the Wizards going to do with the trading deadline, they, you know, they, they could make the huge move, the Boogie Cousins type thing, seems unlikely, or they could... Make the, the Bogdanovich thing was a sort of a half measure, or they could just make a minor-y kind of thing. The Brandon Jennings or you know a second round pick for a player X, but it seems like if you look at their team, that the the back the backup the backup guards is where the bigger potential for upside or or, or adding something better comes into play. But if Sadoransky, over this next month, if they believe he can truly be a third guard i.e. a guy that you can use late in games as Brooks did last night on the court with Wall and Beal or or even just with one of them if that if it came to that could you could you justify that you don't actually have to do really much of anything that that, that that's what I wonder because you can cuz ultimately in the playoffs they shrink their rotation and we already know is going to play assuming Mike Scott doesn't hit a wall he's going to keep playing uh assuming that you know I mean Mahimi's going to play some so you kind of only have one guard spot on some level, and is it right now? It would have to be Sadaransky. So anyway, my I guess my thought is, my question is, do, do you think that Sadaransky, how he does over this next month, is going to potentially dictate what the whether the Wizards doing to thing or should it
3: dictate anything? I don't think it's going to have much influence because he's he's still going to be here regardless. So I think it's more of a kind of going forward with him. Um, certainly with the open roster spots and Jody Meeks' play this season, you need to do something there just to to be viable. Um, Even for the body, you have to do something. So at a minimum, there has to be someone who shows up there, even if you think – and I don't like – we've gone over this a million times. I don't like Sadoransky as this small forward. Even though his three-point shooting has – appears to be – reached a point where we have a sample that it's pretty viable – Um, This year, much better than last year, right? But I don't like him there. I don't, I don't, they're not, the team's not, the best situation for the team is not to have him there, it's to make him the backup point guard. Brandon Jennings played 13.7 minutes per game in the postseason last year. So those should be Saturansky's 14, 15 minutes. So the, so the, when the playoffs come and you need to do something in the shooting guard spot and even in another wing type. Guy but last year, one Jennings run. was basically the
0: only guard that played, though, right? right. So, I right. mean, I'm saying if there's only a third guard, mm-hmm. of those 13 minutes, the minutes to drive this the most crazy was the ones he played with wall. Right? Right. Now, yes. Sadoransky is a better shooter, and because of his size, it gives you some other options but defensively, uh, but he would still have to play with wall, which is not ideal. So, this is sort of my thing of, can he just... I mean, it, it, it may only be five minutes he plays with the wall, but in the playoffs... Two minutes can
3: change an entire game. Right, it's yes. a much different deal. So can they do that? They like think, two minutes, of the, the last two minutes of the third quarter in game seven, for example, would <laughs> right. have a large influence on the outcome.
0: Right. So basically, I think it, it, for me, it sort of comes down to do the Wizards think that even if it's just five minutes a game that he would have to play with Wall as off the ball, can he do that? If they think he can, and the fa- even though I didn't love it, the fact that Scott Brooks felt comfortable enough using him for the last six, seven, eight minutes of that. He played the whole fourth quarter, but, I mean, the, the, he didn't take him out is interesting. And if – I don't think Sadorinsky – defensively, he was pretty interesting. I don't Offensively, he didn't do much. But if they think he can be that guy, then I don't know if they – like, we're going to talk about some trade ideas, but – it's a difference between, well, do we have to go and make the bigger move or can we just, okay, we maybe need a, another guard because, again, right now the last three spots are <laughs> kind of kind of empty. But, like, do, do you go out and just wait well, let's wait and see who gets cut?
3: We're not even at the midpoint of the season, so you're going to need another viable body in the rotation at some point, hopefully one that's more productive than Jody Meeks, one of the nicest people you ever meet. I feel like I'm obligated to say that. Um but uh, he hasn't played well this year.
0: No, no, he hasn't. I mean, uh, you know, Frazier still exists too. Frazier would be a much better player than anything they had a year ago at that third guard mm-hmm. spot. Um, but anyway, that that to me I think is just the most interesting part. If Sadoransky, if they think, look, he's been good and we'd like him as the backup team, but really I don't think we can trust him as the, the third guard, then I think they have more – there's more impetus to do something. If they If they think he can do something, and he is shooting – 41% from three, not a ton of attempts, mm-hmm. but he's making some shots. If they think he could be that guy, then I don't know if they feel as desperate to go out and do whatever. That, that that would be the only thing I would say I'm sort of looking at here. I mean, and I know people are probably going, dude, what about Jan Mihimi? What about the center spot? Uh, Jan Mihimi's net rating since Thanksgiving is by far the best on the team. And again, they're not getting rid of that contract. They're probably not trading Gortat. So that's what they that are at. And look, Mahimi's actually not been terrible. He's just not worth 16 million. We can't deal with that. He's not been bad. The front You can't c- change that. Right. Yes. The front court is not the issue right now. Plus, I mean, whatever Jason Smith still exists. So, like, I don't think they have to do anything to the front court, sparring injuries. They could get another swingman. So, in these situations, if the Otto Porter is out, you have somebody else to use. But, um, Anyway, so that, 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 that for me is sort of what I think is interesting the last few weeks here. I
3: would say the, the the primary purpose for Saturansky from here to the end is to get John off the floors as much as possible. Just keep playing well, try to keep John's minutes down, something they couldn't do at all last year, and make it to the finish line and be a viable option as a backup point guard to play 12 minutes to 14 minutes in the playoffs depending on who you're facing obviously Um, but far and away to me having a shooting guard a new shooting guard instead of replace Jody Meeks would be your biggest gain out of anyone we talk a lot about um, I don't want to say boogie but but like DeAndre Jordan or Take the DeAndre Jordan scenarios of, so you get an upgrade at center, right? But then you would probably have to move Porter to get him. And this is just, I'm in no way advocating for any of this, just saying in general terms. And so you take a step back there, if Oubre replaces Porter, he, you know, I know this may be hard for some people to fathom, but he's not as good. So what, what, what is your total outcome from those moves, right? And so in, in the case of replacing Jody Meeks with even a replacement level player, let alone someone who's slightly above how much that's your biggest margin that you can go quickly from we're way back here to, oh, this is this is much better and much more serviceable and theoretically making life easier for Mike Scott and theoretically making life easier for Sadoransky and the entire second unit. And then we can even get hopefully less focused on Yan offense this is uh, to, to bring a baseball analogy into this. When I used to cover the Seattle Mariners, Brendan Ryan was their shortstop. He's awesome in the field, maybe the best defensive shortstop I've ever seen in per, in person. He, he was unbelievable some of the stuff he did. But he hit ninth. He couldn't hit a lick. And their offense as a whole stunk, right? They were always like last in runs, and everyone grouse about Brendan Ryan's offense. I'm like, well, Brendan Ryan's offense is not going to make or break you. You know, he's not the cleanup hitter. Your cleanup hitter sucks. That's the problem. Your number three guy sucks. Your full your number five guy stinks. So forget about Brendan Ryan's offense and any on any other team that had a viable, you know, one through six, then you could keep him out there because he's actually a net win because his defense is so good, right? So this is kind of the same concept with Mahimi of yes aesthetically is troubling (laughs) and the math around his offense equally troubling i get it i'm not saying that it's not however he's here to play pick and roll defense he's here to switch on smaller guys which obviously scott brooks prefers him versus the smaller guys instead of gortat when they have to pick a center to be out there because their roster is constructed incorrectly which again we can't change that right now because no one's going to be like, I wanna construct my roster incorrectly and here's some better players for your albatross. Right. It's just not gonna happen. So um to me, yeah, it's that backup shooting guard spot and and both of those things will influence Wall and Beal throughout the rest of the season. I'd also say do it sooner rather than later. Don't wait till the first week of February. Mm-hmm. And uh then you know you have some options too by the time the playoffs roll around to determine, like you said, who that guard is going to be.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So, yeah, I think February 8th is the deadline. Uh, so, so let's uh, go through some names here. We, on the side, are always, uh, you know, I, 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 it's easy to make fun of people who always come up with trade ideas. We all do it. Uh, it's just a matter of to the degree that we all do it. Like, you know, are you keeping reality in check? You know, you are going to be able to trade Jody Meese to get um, Giannis? Probably not. You know, things like that. Um, Do you understand that the salaries have to match? You <laughs> right, can right, start there. Things along those lines. Um, in, in, because they were playing Memphis, I've mentioned that Tyreek Evans is the type of player who's, who's expiring contract, veteran, uh, you know, power guard. His three-point shooting is a career high r- right now.
3: Uh, Back-to-back that- years. It's yeah. been it's been good. Yeah, and, and which he, is strange because he's, he's been bad at it historically. Yeah, yeah.
0: and he can get his own offense. So even if you take the the other guys off the wall the Beal and Otto off the court, mm-hmm. and you put him in there, you can throw the ball to him and he'll get his. That's something the second unit does not have right. R- r- right now. So he's the type of guy that hypothetically th- would be if the Wizards really want to do, make some kind of a move, they could get. The question, of course, is well, what's the cost? Is it right. going to be like Bogdanovich? Where now the Bogdanovich thing? I guess that is the question, right? If you didn't deal with Nicholson's contract, Right. what it, would you actually have had to give up for, to, sure. to get Bogdanovich? Would it,
3: probably wouldn't have been a first. No, you could deal. probably dial, dial that back to a second. So, yeah.
0: so then that becomes, so there's that aspect of it. Now there's also the aspect of, for any of these things, the salary cap slash uh, tax part of it mm-hmm. all. Um, we can make the money work, but ultimately the Wizards would probably have to, uh, likely would be, the, another team is not going to want to take on more money. Right. So the
3: and listen. and so that means two things that that Meeks and Jason Smith are off the table in any of these discussions because they both hold player options for next year for for anybody with an
0: expiring contract. Yes.
3: So nobody is going to take either of those guys because they're just going to exercise their option to stick wherever they end up
0: unless the Wizards give up a first round pick, Correct. which I, I, this goes back to my Saturansky point. Unless they are in an absolute like oh my god, this is like last year. The bench is horrible. I just think at some point, even if you screw yourself a little bit this year, you have to at some point build towards the future. That they're going to have no money, you know,
3: they're not going to have really any money next year to play with. And hard. they don't—they already don't have their 2019 second-round pick because that was part of the cost of Ubre. Right.
0: So, so I would prefer them to not trade at least the
3: first, the second. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever. At this point, they're, they're just not even bothered. If it's next summer, second, yes, a shrug for me go and do whatever you want with that. Right. So, so specific to Tyreek, like the math works if it's a second Tim Frazier and McCullough, because that will match Tyreek's base, bargain basement deal that he ended up with this year. Um, he's also interesting because he, usually he's so high usage that I groan when I watch him play, uh, but I think with this second unit... Like, Mahimi obviously doesn't need the ball. Sadaransky's more than willing to pass the ball. Mike Scott's also a willing passer, but he would need to get, still get some shots in that scenario. So if you are putting a high usage shooting guard in with those guys, I think it fits is because of the personnel. So, um, if you, I, that would be my concern is like how much overlap Tyreek Evans could have with Wall, Beal, and company. However, you would try to massage that in there from time to time because he is so high usage. I don't think that would work very well. Um, but as far as, hey, this guy's going to take the most shots on the second group, Mike Scott's going to take the second most, and then we'll whatever happens after that is whatever. Um, that would be a much better situation than they're in now. The uh, only thing I guess
0: I wonder with him to your point of usage is, you know, It's one thing to imagine him with just the second unit, but when he's with Beal and Wall, Mm -hmm. then what happens? Because because that's that's sort of what I'm saying
3: about the playoffs. And who's he taking off the floor to be there? Is it Otto or Ubre? And do you well even if he's just in there with
0: Wall or Beal? Now Mm -hmm. I mean, now what? Obviously, you want the ball in their hands. I mean, Tyreek Evans can do stuff, Mm -hmm. but if he's doing stuff now, Beal's getting five shots less a game or
3: whatever. All of a sudden, then that's not as interesting. I would say that just specific to that point, maybe Beale's efficiency goes up if his minutes go down even by two or three. Um, you know, and he's able to manage things differently as he goes along. And Tyreek Evans may enable that on, you know, on occasion. So I would put that as part of the consideration of Saturansky and whoever you acquire, how much can they benefit? Beal and wall from now until the end of the season. Uh yeah, I, I I mean one thing I would think
0: if if Evans let's just say that deal happens, I don't I, I suspect Saturinsky barely plays. Right? Because I mean if Wall and going to average like thirty eight minutes a game. Right. So if they're if they're both playing about thirty eight minutes a game, that leaves about twenty. Well if you get Tyreek Evans, you're probably gonna give him twenty. I mean twenty would be almost low for my perception of what a guy like that would would be insane but probably some of the other guys we're talking about. So at that point, Sederansky's not getting more than
3: in the playoffs. In the playoffs.
0: And and, and I know we have got 40 more. (laughs) That's the second half of the season to go. I'm not discounting that. I'm just looking ahead to that. That's what any of these moves would have to be about that. If if it's about them just making the playoffs, then it's all gone crazy.
3: I think, yeah, for me, I'm I'm putting a significant amount of weight on how much can, you come up with a decent guy to spell, help spell Wall and Beal, get them to the finish line, um, and improve your seed as you go along. I think those two things will be huge for them in the playoffs, no matter what the rotation ends up being with the, with the extra guard behind them. Yeah, and it's, it's certainly it – And works. if you have a better player as an option as the possible extra guard mm-hmm. instead of Jody Meeks – All the better in case somebody, you know, I mean, who knows what what Boston's going to do with Market Smart and Rozier and Kyrie, you know, when they go ultra small and ultra loony. um, What do you have to counter that?
0: And and also, I mean, if you did have a guy like Tyreek Evans, who's a big guard, you could hypothetically Mm -hmm. go with him, Walt Beal, Otto, Markeef, and, you know, take Oubre out or or whatever. So, you know, he's it gives you some of that that option. As well. Uh, that said, by the way, if if I'm Memphis and and you're calling up with McCullough, Frazier, and a second, which would be probably one of the last eight picks in the second round or something like that, I'm going okay, cool. Let me call the other 29 teams right. and see what I can do that's better because right. the, the two players are irrelevant. They both have expiring deals, right. and the second is to pick. It's not nothing, but right. you would think that somebody else could probably beat that one way or the other. Um, all right, we got other players you uh, you, you you like talking about it. Well, I
3: think it's similar it's kind of similar circumstance for Bell um, who's obviously just more of a straight up shooter. Uh, the king of the leg kick during the jump shot always so for me on a personal level, it would be hilarious to watch him on a for a half a season, like hilarious in the way of joyful because of all his tricks um, and how annoying they must be for every defender he's ever dealt with <laughs> in all his histrionics and and the whole package I find amusing. Uh, and he's playing pretty well this year. Again, this is strictly a direct upgrade over Jody Meeks is the point. Um, although, you know, and, and probably he's more likely to arrive at that price of a second and you know two dudes who match the money with expiring deals than Tyreek Evans is. So it would be better, not ideal, but better. Um, and it, obviously he's much different than Tyreek frame-wise handling the ball um, and just kind of what he's how he's able to move I mean he's a he's a two and that's what he is period What if
0: I told you that either either of these scenarios with Memphis for Evans or Atlanta with Bellinelli they come back and say okay look obviously the players are you know flat sam or whatever mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll we'll do it but you got to give us another second so we understand that your 2019 is gone okay. you got to Give us, oh, by the way, they also traded the Trey Burke second round pick. That's gone. What was that, 2021? I remember the trade was Trey Burke for an eighth grader. So I think it was, uh, it was something like that. Um, there is also, I will say, there's also Aaron White still floating out there, the rights to him. Now, not to say that somebody would necessarily think that he's a player. I don't know, but the point would be it's an asset to have, and somebody might be like, okay, give us that asset you know just to uh
3: 2021 second rounder for burke right so so, so, okay. so the 19 has gone and the 21 one's gone right okay so so
0: that's, uh, somebody
3: says you can you, so you have 18 and 20 okay so and some
0: 22 so somebody says okay we'll do that but you're gonna give us the 18 and the 20.
3: it doesn't bother me because you have paid the guys you're gonna pay and they're not going anywhere during that time period so you don't your number of, generally, um, I mean, the, you have to increase, it's great to increase the number of flyers that you can take on someone, right? This is the Jordan Clarkson thing all over again. To your point, there's nothing that indicated that the Wizards would have picked Jordan Clarkson with that pick. But the fact that they didn't have a pick, you know what your chances of picking Jordan Clarkson are? Zero. So, <laughs> just yeah. basic math, just you know, you want to increase your odds as much as possible. Um, the fact that the
0: two-way thing is now a thing, and, you know, as we heard the owner speak here a couple weeks ago, they could be, you know, there could be the the, the expansion of the G League here, you know, well, I don't know if it's a year or five, but, you know, the fact that there's two-way guys, like, it feels like, I mean, Devin Robinson not picked essentially is a draft pick for them at this point. So, yeah, that's one reason I could get around justifying trading multiple seconds, Um but yeah, I mean, look, I, if it's multiple seconds and this is gonna, I think, help me get to the Eastern Conference Finals or beyond, I'm gonna make that move. I would just prefer them not to deal. I would agree, the one.
3: especially think. Yes, I would agree, especially since you know I think you have a window to recover from whatever that second would be. You know, who knows? In the summer, if you do something major, you get someone to pile one in on the back end and you get it back type of situation. Because um, they're not gonna have money. They're not if Tyreek Evans plays well they're not going to have the money to pay him uh one of the other people that we've talked about on occasion or i or at least i should say i brought up is Rodney hood who would be a significant probably cost too but you're not going to be able to pay him in the summer so he's a strictly a rental and what are you going to give up for that um so none of these guys are anticipate would be anticipated to be back We 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 are renting here but again trying to go make that dramatic swing from the negative numbers that Meeks has provided to someone who's halfway decent. Gotcha. Especially uh, former starters who are playing against backups now. We That's a good scenario. Yeah, and,
0: I, I, and all these guys would be interesting and fun and it would be helpful whether the Wizards, really, any of these packages we're coming up with would be my only question. I, I just can imagine some other team getting desperate enough to say, all right, screw it, we'll give you the one, uh,
3: you know, we'll, we'll do that type of thing. In that. the market is not on the Wizards side. If you go through the rosters of the teams that are presumably going to be sellers, there's not a lot of options out there, um, especially considering the salary math that the Wizards are complicates everything for the Wizards now and for the next at least three seasons.
0: And and all right, so uh, good good thoughts there. I will just end with this: for those of you who've noticed that Andrew Bogut is getting released. No, no, it, it's zero. <laughs> it makes zero percent, zero sense for either side. The Wizards have enough centers who can't play outside of five feet, and are already over thirty years old, <laughs> right? And there's and because of they already have guys that Bogut can find other places to play if that's what he wants. So that's that 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 one makes zero sense. Unless you can tell me how they're trading Gortat or Mahimi, which is obviously uh, seems unlikely. Um All right. Well, hey, well, let's us fingers crossed. Nothing crazy happens with the Wizards outside of a re- result, but. But beyond that, if there is, I'm gonna blow up this podcast and make Todd come on after the game. But we'll I hope for the best. Thank you guys for listening. As always, until next time, see you.
1: Neil gets open for three. Dagger. Bobby <laughs>